Welcome to episode number 51 of About the Cards podcast live tonight on YouTube. As always with host, with me, host Stefan Loeffler, Junk Wax Twins, Ben Wilson at our trading card time. Big, I'm Tim Shepler at Big Shep 79. We are a podcast by collectors for collectors hoping to bring you a smart, insightful podcast discussing trading card collecting. We're live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, 10 Central. Follow us about the, on Twitter at About the Cards. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. Check out the new website, About the Cards. WordPress.com, and uh, we posted two new reviews today, one on Score Football and Panini Prism Baseball. Uh, next week, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary. Listen to the end of the show to learn how to win prizes live on the show next week. That'll be fun. Episode 52 will have marked one year. Actually, the first show was on June 7th, uh, which is Friday. So that's the true anniversary, but the way it falls. And uh, so we're excited about that, fellas. Welcome. How are you doing good. 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 Awesome. good? Silence is yet agreeing. We have, a, we have a great guest with us tonight, Ryan Johnson at Card Collector 2 on Twitter. How's it going, Ryan? I'm doing well. How are you? Outstanding. I'm glad you could join us. Uh, he's actually the owner of Card Collector 2 Sports uh, Cards in Columbus, Ohio. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Just about Awesome, and they, they're open on Tuesday through Friday from 12 to 7, and Saturday and Sunday, 12 to 5. Um, and we're really happy. We're going to get right into it tonight because I'm very excited to have you on the show. So the last few weeks, I think it was, you know, towards the end of May, I saw that you'd purchased a card uh, a card shop, a current LCS, and you rehabbed it, and you started sharing photos and videos yeah. and of the progress and what it looked like before, and then about yeah. like a week later, an amazing yeah. turnaround. Um, and that happened to a card show that ben, or shop Ben and I go to about five years ago now and yeah. uh, it's been amazing so we want to get into it and it really inspired me to like okay let's get them on let's figure out what it's like because we've not had a, an owner on the show yeah get somebody that's hopping in right now when the, the hobby is very hot as well as yeah. taking over an established place so just what made you decide to, to take that to buy it take it over and what was that process like yeah so it uh it honestly um it, it happened so so fast um the owner, I've known the owner for about 15 years. Um, interesting guy, very nice, uh, but I've known him for a long time. And he had he'd mentioned to me back in like December, um, like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about selling, thinking about moving. Um, and he's sometimes can be indecisive. So I could, you know, in one year, out the other, didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then he just kept talking about it and talking about it. And when I was, uh, it was apparently supposed to be sold to someone else and apparently it had, it had fallen through. Um, so I'd called about it because um, rumor at the show was the sale didn't go through. So, you know, we've been friends for a while. I called and he said, uh, yeah, you know, it fell through. Do you want to buy it? And again, just kind of like, yeah, right. Like I don't expect it to happen. Um, you know, he started telling me about what was included and like what the deal was. And uh, I got off the phone and I just thought about it more and more. And I was like, this seems like a really good deal. Um, so I, I have some friends in the, the, card shop business um and i kind of reached out to a couple of them and was like hey you know i got this offer to buy a store like does this sound like a good deal and they're like i mean it sounds like one of your best opportunities you're gonna have um and my goal since i was a kid has always been to own a card store um that's for sure what i wanted to do i've been dead set on that even with retail dying um it seems like more and more um i still have been kind of dead set on owning a store um i just didn't expect it to happen so soon so 
uh, you know, talked to them. They went home, talked to my wife, and um, I was offered the store. It'll be three weeks this Saturday, um, and I purchased it the, the next Tuesday, so three days later. Um, was open Tuesday and Wednesday to kind of pack up and, you know, see if anything walked in the door. Um, and then that Wednesday, I closed it. My wife and I were there for eight and a half hours till 3.30 in the morning Wednesday painting. Um, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we were there for uh, almost every day, all day, basically redoing everything like you saw um, that I reopened for business Tuesday of last week. So to this, today was my second day of my second week, but nice. uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of work, that's for sure. But it's been very, very, very fun. I'm a I'm a big fan of it so far. Well, that's good. So when you when you took over the store, now yeah. my biggest thing is. Now, did they did they take a lot of inventory with them? Did they leave inventory behind for you? Sure, sure. Um, so I bought everything in the store. I bought the allocation. I bought the lease agreement. I bought I bought the GTS like so the GTS allocation. Um, I I bought everything. Um, but to be completely honest, the inventory in the store wasn't like your your modern day football cards or your modern day baseball cards. It was, you know, piles of 2013 Giovanni Bernard rookies and Brandon Roy rookies. And like, I mean, it was not modern in modern day inventory. It was like outdated stuff by seven to 10 years with a few exceptions. Um, so the single game like was, you know, just quantity over quality. It wasn't very good. You know, most of the dollar stuff gets moved a quarter because it's just outdated. Um, there was a decent amount of wax, but again, quantity over quality. So there was about 50 boxes of 2013 football product and 50 boxes of 2013 prism baseball product. Um, so again, that's a hundred boxes of, of product to put on the shelf. Um, but not something you're getting a customer coming in every day and looking for. Um, so yes, the inventory came with it. Um, but the inventory wasn't really the main reason for buying the store. It was the other things included in the, in the purchase. Yeah. You're, you're the, the one thing I think the biggest part is probably getting that allocation and being able to yes. have those connections with, with the, some of the distributor for uh, sure. right now. That's like one of the hardest things to do for sure. What big changes besides, you know, uh, you know, taking down all that old inventory and slashing the prices on that, you know, you painted the store, you made some updates. What other changes are you making to the store that, that might draw new customers in or invite people that were, were once a customer of the store to come back to it now that it's got a facelift. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, the big thing, if you, if you've ever been in the store, if you saw the pictures was the shop, what I've told customers that are regulars or that are coming in now is the shop was built to be very transactional, right? Like you walked in and it was kind of closed off like a U around the showcases. Um, and then there was like a table in front for like dollar cars and stuff like that. And it was meant for you to come in, you know, it was very tight knit. So like you couldn't come in and stand with a bunch of people. You'd get, you know, claustrophobic, um, to fill it up quickly. Again, there's nowhere to sit. So people would come in, you'd be like, man, I'm getting, my feet are hurting. Where can I sit down? Oh wait, there's nowhere to go. So it's time to go. So it was, it was a very transactional process. So what I did was, we pushed the showcases back, got rid of two of the showcases, and really opened it up. Added some extra lighting, again, painted it, um, added a floating bar um, in the front to, like, have seating for people to pull boxes off the shelves and to look through boxes. And then, like, a break station in the front when you walk in. 
with like a four foot round table with four chairs. So um, just making it more of a, like a, like an experience uh, and being more personable. Um, there were signs in the door when you walked in that says $20 to appraise your cards. Um, like I don't buy eighties and nineties again, very friendly person, but again, being in the, he was in the business 39 years. He had no interest in the, the calls about like, Hey, do you buy sports cards? You rarely would look at stuff. Um, Mark was just the kind of guy that like, if he had a buyer for it, he would buy it. If he didn't have a buyer for it, it wasn't his thing. Um, so he didn't do a lot of buying. So anytime I get a call now, it's, Hey, are you buying? Absolutely. So trying to really kind of switch the tone um, that the shop had. Um, and again, just making it more uh, of an experience to come in the shop nowadays, rather than like a come in, spend $5 and leave. Yeah, no, that's really similar to what our, our LCS did here. It was owners that had it for a long time. It got rehabbed over, I think he did two two weeks because he had to take out the floor. And gotcha. it's a great it's a great place to go in now and super friendly to, to open product in and be in yeah. a good atmosphere. People just go and hang out. So yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so did you, you frequented this place as a customer for a while? Yeah. So I've, I've, like I said, I've known Mark about 15 years. I was one of the first shops they've been to. So I would say probably about once a month, typically throughout the year. Okay. And um, what, what are you, what are you hoping your, your uh, shop's going to specialize in? Have you decided, are you just going to kind of be like a neighborhood shop or have you had a specific thing you're looking to go after? Um. I don't, I don't really know if I have like a specific specialty right now. I, I mean, I posted a lot on like uh, Facebook and on Instagram earlier. Um, like I'm trying to be pretty diverse. Again, Mark was um, very much a let's buy things that I know I can sell. And I'm like, I bought, you know, 3000 common Pokemon cards. Um, like there's o older, like junk wax, like cheap packs, newer, modern wax. I have, you know, 30 box, 35 or 36 boxes of current first off the line product, prison basketball, contenders, football, you know, lots of supplies, modern day singles, vintage singles. So my big thing is I want to be the place where if someone comes in looking for something. There's a good chance I have it. Um, you know, very similar to like the national, right? They say, if you can't find it at the national, they didn't make it. Um, obviously I'll never be that big, that, that kind of scale. Um, at least I don't plan to. Um, but my thing is, is if you ask for something, there's a good chance I have it. So being really diverse is kind of where, uh, where I see my focus right now. Well, that's well, awesome. One thing about an LCS that was extremely important to me as a consumer yeah. is, you know, we try to create that community on Twitter is sure. if you, if you were to come to any one of us, yourself included, yeah. uh, especially now that you have an LCS, if I come to you and say, Hey, I'm looking for such and such as an A's collector. If, if you can't get it, you know, get it for me, if you can point me in the right direction, that is so huge. Like, hey, sure. you check out this. On Twitter, we do that all the time. People you yeah. know, hit us up in the DM and say, hey, what about this? You know, I get approached all the time about graded cards, which I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. But there's such a great community of people on Twitter that do. And say, hey, yeah. you'll hit up, hit up so-and-so. And if they don't know, they'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. And, and that's great for an LCS. So if you don't have it in stock because you're not going to be able to have everything. Yeah. Uh, being able to provide those resources is great customer service. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely the goal. And I, that's one thing I've, I've never been as big on Twitter. Um, my social media following really took off on, on Instagram, but I will definitely give Twitter props for that because um, I, I've started doing like the grading submissions and stuff. And 
I'll be honest, I have been blown away by the amount of people that will like, if someone's like, hey, I'm looking to do grading, just the amount of people on Twitter that specifically will like be like, hey, this guy can help you, or this guy can help you, or this guy can right. help you. Twitter is definitely no, I definitely don't see that kind of um, like camaraderie per se um, on Instagram. It is very, very, very big on Twitter. I've definitely noticed that. But that's the beauty of having, you know, the availability of multiple platforms. Sure. You know, T- Tim will be the first one to tell you how much he hates Facebook. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm in quite a few Facebook baseball card groups. Yeah. Uh, they, they create a lot of great content for this show, whether they mean to or not. Sure. Um, it's just st- stuff is talked about on there. We, we pull stuff from there and, and we always try to credit it if we borrow it from them. But sure there's a place for Facebook, whether you like it or not, there's a place for Instagram and Twitter um, as well as just organically your, your current, you know, consumer market locally. And, and, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with being able to pull from each of those mediums. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your hobby history. So like how long have you been collecting? Uh, Do you have a favorite sport team or player that you, uh, you personally collect? Yeah. Yeah. So I got in, um, it started in about two, like the late nineties, um, with like Pokemon cards, uh, kind of like took off at school. Um, then Pokemon cards got quickly banned from school and then it became like sports cards. So about early 2000, like 2000, 2001, I started getting into like football cards. Um, and I've been in the hobby ever since just really kind of took off. Um, my hobby, like, like for me, the card game really changed, um, in about 2013 when I got on Instagram. Um, like I said before, like my, my social media following on there um, over the last three or four years has really taken off. I started posting just on there as like accounts or as just as like just cards, just random stuff. And then it really became like a community for me. Um, and really just like I said, the last couple of years has just been a whole different game. Um, I've always wanted to do cards full time. I wasn't quite sure what that looked like. I wasn't quite sure when or how. Um, but because the social media presence kind of took off for me, um, I ended up quitting my job after I got married uh, the end, towards the end of last year um, and started to do cards full time. Um, I had, Like I said, because I've amassed this large following on Instagram, I was running like breaks and sing. I was selling singles and, you know, doing grading and all sorts of things. Um, And because I was able to do that, I was like, I had a great audience to move things, to buy things um, for grading. Um, Again, I just said it, it was awesome. It was perfect. So um, yeah, October of last year, I started doing that full time and I'd been doing that ever since planned on doing that in the future. And then again, the card shop opportunity became available um, and I, and I purchased that. So it's kind of where I'm at now. Um, as far as who do I collect? Um, really like my core focus is Ohio state football. Um, I was, I, I was in, in Ohio state or at Ohio state when they won the national title in 2014. Um, and I just grew up in Columbus. So Ohio state through and through for sure. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely my bread and butter. I do a lot of like investment, like long term, like buy guys low, sell high kind of thing. Um, but my true collection, the one thing I keep long term is is Ohio State stuff for sure. So so give our listeners one guy you're buying low right now that you if you're uh, willing to share that. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, I was just talking about this with someone a minute ago. Um, I have him over there. It's not necessarily a low anymore, but I bought in. I started buying in in December on Darnold. Um, just. 
Prism Silvers were are undervalued at the time. I was buying them for sixty to seventy five bucks a piece. Um, I mean, they're one a box. Uh, you're not guaranteed a rookie, so I was buying those at sixty to seventy five. Um, I have thirteen PS or uh, PSA ten and PSA nine Prism Silvers, uh, eight P Prism tens and, and nine or uh, five PSA nines. But they, like I said, they were somewhere between sixty to seventy five dollars. PSA tens are up to around three hundred dollars now. Um, Darnold led the league in QBR from weeks 11 to 17. Um, they got Le'Veon. I'm just, I'm very big on quarterbacks and I think Darnold is, uh, is underpriced. And I think Darnold, I think he still has room to grow, but from where he's at from December to now, I don't know if the room's quite there. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I'm very, very, very high on. What is there a guy in basketball to be looking for? Uh, I was buying him last year. He's not nearly as high as he was, but I still buy him long-term. I know some people are, Definitely not on the train, um, but I'm very big into Jason Tatum. Yep. All right, I think good. Tatum's the real deal. I, I think when Kyrie's gone, that's his team. Uh, I hope it is Kyrie leaving and it's not, you know, Anthony Davis coming in and staying with Kyrie, especially because that means Tatum goes to New Orleans. Um, so I really I, hope. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, hope, I mean, I hope not. You, you know, if you do that, you're, you're losing Tatum. You, yeah. you can lose Davis in a year and then you're stuck with Kyrie and what? Yeah, you know the best thing that they could do is let Kyrie go to to Brooklyn. Don't trade for for Davis on a one year deal, yeah. and build around Tatum and all your other young assets. You know, yeah. th th that's yeah, that's what I think that ultimately is going to happen. I mean, they were up three two on LeBron without Kyrie. Um, I mean, they're they're a better team without Kyrie. Uh, I, yeah, I'm very very high on Tatum. So Tatum's a guy. Um, I don't do enough baseball to know. Um, but from the couple people that I know that do do baseball, um, again, they're not cheap guys, but I've heard really good things about Jordan Alvarez and really good things about Franco. Um, so those are the two guys that I'll pick up from time to time and kind of stash away uh, long-term. What about, what about your buddy uh, Haskins going to the, the Redskins? Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Haskins. I really wish it would have been New York, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Paskin starts starts early. Um, just being more of a football collector, um, especially owning a card store now too. I'm really hopeful that Haskins and or Murray and or someone else kind of like take off in the next couple weeks and or like early in the season. Because um, I'm afraid that if we don't get much production of those two early on, you're gonna kind of see like a lower uh, a, a lesser football class um yeah kind of like 2013 was and that's what scares me i'm not yeah. sure it's i mean that class seemed decent at the time but or you know average at the time yeah and definitely turned out to be not very good um so yeah i'm hoping we avoid that i mean thank thank goodness that the basketball class is going to be historic um because football, those first three yeah fo football has a chance to be you know that was exciting rough rough <laughs> yeah yeah rough so I, I have two quick, easy hits for you. Yes, sir. Um, so what you're saying is with a brand new shop that next time me and the wife are visiting the in-laws that uh, we need to make an hour trip over. Yes, absolutely. Because from Kettering to Grove City, it's it's about an hour. Yeah, just straight over and down 71. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, the, the the second obvious one, card collector is obvious, but why two? That's a great question. Um, 
So when I was super, like when I was really young, uh, I got a fortune cookie when I was a kid and my lucky number was two. And I just kind of stuck with two from like early, early age. Um, so my instant, my blowout name, which was like the first big pl- platform I was on, right. Um, was just card collector. I didn't have a number associated with it. Um, and then I got on Instagram and I just, I ended up adding the two, um, just because of that, like I said, that fortune cookie at the time. Um, and yeah, just, it just became card collector two. And then everything became card collector two. I'm just glad it's not, it's not because of Terrell Pryor. No. no. <laughs> yeah. no. And then uh, n- number three, uh, I guess, um, yeah. you know, a- Alabama can kind of be a, what depending on which, whether you're in the North or the South, whether you root for Auburn or Alabama. So I got to ask, Reds, Indians, Browns, Bengals. Um, so I'm actually not, my dad grew up a Patriots fan. So I know that makes a lot of people upset just being in Columbus and liking the Patriots. Sure. Um, so I would prefer the Patriots. I can assure you though, if I had to root for a team in Ohio, um, it would for sure not be the Bengals. Um, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a Bengals guy. I would prefer, uh, prefer the Browns. I'm not big on Dalton, uh, at all. So I would prefer, I would prefer the Browns. Um, I grew up on the Reds, but I'm again not much of a baseball guy. So whatever Ohio team goes farther is probably who I would root for. I don't really have, <laughs> I don't really have a preference. I like Votto, I guess. My my, my wife's uh, originally from Dayton, but she has a lot of family in uh, Cleveland. So it makes for very long winters when you're Vikings and Browns fans. Yeah. Um. So uh, I, I thought I'd pepper that one in. Yeah. Um. And then I saw you at the Columbus game. Uh, I, I, I wish. That uh, you guys would stop beating my wild occasionally, nice. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's just one of those you have to ask. Where you know, Ben may have Ben and Tim may have more choices living in California for one sport, this sport or that sport. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you know, Minnesota, I'm kind of it's the wild, and I'm definitely not rooting for the Packers. Yeah. So a, a unique perspective, I guess. Sure. Well, we always ask our every time we have a, a guest on, we ask if you could only own one car that you currently own, what car would it be and why? Man, if I could only own one car. And do um, you own it currently? You're saying that I own it currently? Ideally. Yeah, so I uh, my like original day one kind of PC was um, a guy that his name's Donnie Nicky. Um so he was on Ohio State's 2002 national championship team. Yeah, we went to the same high school. He was in the NFL for seven years on kickoffs. Um, his mom was my art teacher. Um, I was a fan of his since I, I mean, since I can remember. Um, I have some, you know, multiple game worn jerseys of him, practice jerseys, signed stuff. I've met him multiple times. Great guy, but I was only in 2003 Sage, um, like Sage products. Um, that doesn't have a licensed NFL card. Um, but I have like an auto of him out of like 25. I mean, uh, like his collection, that collection to me is probably the thing I would probably keep them keep first. It just doesn't have a lot of like, it has, yeah, it has no long-term value. Um, but again, just being that I've met him, we both, you know, Ohio state, same high school played in the NFL has cards. And again, being a card collector, um, I remember collecting his stuff when I was young. Um, cause he would have been drafted when I was about 10, um, 10 or 11. So that's, that's what I would keep first would be, uh, 
the Donnie Nicky stuff for sure, hands down. Nice. Yeah, I remember he was a nasty three. safety. I remember him. He was a uh, yeah. He was legit in uh, NCAA football like 2001. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, indestructible. So let us know. Let let everybody know how we can find your shop uh, locally if you're if you're you know online or selling through online as well. Yeah. So the shop is in Grove City, Ohio. Um, it's uh, I sell on eBay. Um, my eBay has definitely taken a, a sort of a nosedive since I've started the shop and been busy with that. But it's six one four sports cards on eBay. Um, and then again, most social media for me is just Card Collector Two. Um, have a website I used for breaks and grading and stuff like that before, but hasn't been revamped yet for the shop. But again, CardCollector2.com for that. Um, so yeah, this should be uh, that should cover most of my uh, like social media stuff. Awesome. We'll put the we'll put those links in the show notes as well. We'll we'll tweet them out tonight. Awesome. Uh, we we really appreciate Ryan you taking the time and coming and hanging out with us. Uh, good luck in on your at your shop. And we hope to see some great progress. I think we will. You you seem like you have a really great head on your shoulders and thank you, thank a really good outlook on how to have a have a store in the modern day age where you know, like you said, retail is not king anymore. But yeah. you're out there having fun, and uh, that's awesome. So congratulations. Keep doing a good job and stay in touch, bud. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. You okay. guys have, have a great night. night. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. Another great interview here uh, on about the cards podcast. That was great uh, to get a shop owner's point of view. Of what's going on? We have a busy show tonight. So uh, we're going to run through last week's releases, the week that was. We're going to hit hot off the presses pretty quickly because there's a lot of stuff going on in the hobby, but we couldn't miss out on having Ryan within his first week on the show. Uh, I reached out to him, and he was down to do the show. So we had we got him on, and, and uh, great interview. So the week that was last week's releases, Tops Living Week 63, we had card 190, Justin Turner, the Dodgers, sold just over 2,700. Uh, card 191, Carter Keeboom, the rookie shortstop from the Nationals, a little over 3,300, and Wade, card 192, Wade Davis, pitcher of the Rockies, a new low, a new low, uh, 2,605. So he is now the lowest card in the set. Check out at Top's Living Stat for a full breakdown of where to find the, uh, where these cards fall respectively in the set uh, by team and position. Also last week, uh, we had the base, Top's Definitive Baseball and then Panini Leather and Lumber launched. So um, not a real surprise with last week's Top Living's Living's numbers, but um, yeah, we got, oh, congratulations. Oh, Uncle Rich is live with us, bud. That's exciting. I'm glad he's here with us. That's amazing. Um, he is my favorite listener to the show. Um, hot off the press is new releases. So, to the Tops Living Week 64. We have some guy at card 193, Kenneth Griffey Jr. Outfielder, Seattle Mariners, Hall of Famer. The first Hall of Famer or retired player we've had in quite some time. Card 194, Jeff McNeil, rookie second baseman of the New York Mets. And card 195, the veteran catcher, Brian McCann of the Atlanta Braves. I'm already excited. There's, it's a good set. I mean, McCann's not going to do terrible because the Braves have a good following. I know Dubs probably mentioned six or seven. Um, uh, you know, And then, uh, yeah, Griff, McNeil, not too bad, right? So no, that, that McNeil looks horrible, by the way. Yeah, it's not the worst looking one. Well, it's not. No, it's, it's, not, not Rizzo. Rizzo. it's not Rizzo, but he, he's challenging. He just, he, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It, 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 it's the picture. I believe the the rendering is just really bad. So, uh, plus or minus nineteen thousand eight ninety for Griffey. Minus, way minus nineteen eighty nine. No, nobody. No. 
No, sorry. Good try, but no, no. You'll still like you'll probably still around sixty-five. No, I thought I was thinking like eleven to thirteen, somewhere in that range. All right. You know, I mean, I mean, he is one under. And real quick, I said I was gonna have a hot take. Why is Griffey not a White Sox? That's the one he should be. Why isn't he asleep in the dugout as a Mariner? I mean. Right team, wrong. Well, right, now, right team, wrong. Wrong image. Nowadays, some teams do have a sleep room. I mean, right. Griffey's just ahead of the curve. Yeah, well, the Mets in the if you ask the '80s Mets, they had a different room in the bullpen. Yeah, for those stories, David Cohn. Um, okay, 2019 tops finest baseball came out today. 118 dollars or so a box, 12 packs uh, per box. There are too many boxes in the box. And so six packs in each of those mini boxes. You're getting five cards per pack. Um, you're going to get two on-card autographs, which is cool. A base set's going to be 126 cards. There's an extended um, short set, which is cards 101 through 125. There are two cards for 101. The base is Vlad Jr. The SP of the 101 is uh, Kikuchi of the Mariners. It's regular base uh, cards. The regular base cards come with a full rainbow parallels. You know, you're getting your bright chrome and still very popular release since 93. So when are they going to get back to peel here to unprotect your card? Oh, I miss that, right? You just never <laughs> wanted to be the one to peel? No, I mean, it looks like a nice set. Um, and it's one that they try to push as the auto prospect set. But... I just can't get behind it, and that's just my opinion. I like the cards. I get the hype. It's just not for me. I don't buy it. I, I'll buy singles. I like the cards. Yep. Uh, but sometimes you run into your auto. Both your autos are, aren't the best for 118 bucks. But then you get the guy that's bought it, and he pulls Mike Trout every time. So what are you going to do? Now, you know, what's funny is I just took the refractors off my checklist. I might pick them up. One thing that absolutely upsets me uh, is that they have a base set, but then they have an extended base set, which is like an additional 25 cards. It's like, okay, Tops, we get it. We're, we're done with the short prints. We're done with the, the, the you know, higher pack odds in order to pull them. We, we just don't need an extended set. Call it 100 cards and, and move on. Because that's not really a base. Yes, there's base cards, great, but it's not really a, a set building set per se. And I don't even get started about short prints. Uh, uh, series two is coming out next week. Um, yeah. So, uh, 2018 19 Upper Deck SP Authentic came out 100 today, 110 a box, 18 packs per box, five cards per pack. You're going to get one Future Watch autograph rookie card, one additional auto, two Spectrum FX, three red parallels, four 18 19. Upper Deck Hockey Updates and Seven Authentic Moments, Rookie of the Year Milestones, and or Retro Draft Picks. It's a 238-card base set. If you're looking for the first autographs of NHL autos, NHL autos of Jack Eichel or Nico Heischner, I hope I got that right. This is the first product you'll find them in. Uh, that's also part of the Bowman or the, uh, the Upper Deck Bounty Program. Um the sign of the times autos um, and SP authentic have been a tradition since the nineties and they've updated that insert set and the cards um, not only spotlight players from the era, but also use different designs in that decade style from the sixties through the nineties are covered in short print variations. So I know I Jack, Jack Eichel was a, uh, like the number two pick in a draft a few years ago and he was 
um, a Leaf only guy for a while. Yep. And now it's his first NHL card. And I don't, Nico, is that Heister? Did I get Heister? Uh, yeah, I think it's Heister. Heister? He's uh, in there too. The hockey guy doesn't even know how to say it. We're in trouble. Well, the Devils don't play the Wild too often. Once, twice, three times a year. But uh, no, first round, oh, first overall, uh, 2017. Um, hey. And then, uh, uh, I mean,. It, I kind of rag on these guys for horrible autos, but how is that Elias Pedersen? I mean, that looks like Ben's kid took a crayon and just went ESP. Okay, this coming from the guy. We, Shep, you just said he couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> let's listen to episode zero again. You introduce us, right? And you're like, Stefan Loff. How do you pronounce your last name there, Ch- Chief? And he's like, well, um, (laughs) (laughs) like Kenny Lofton, but then add a a lure at the end of it. Okay. It's it's your story. It only took 51 episodes for you to get your last name right. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, Also this week, 2019 Panini Luminance football, 135 a box, four packs per box, 10 cards per pack, one draft day signatures, two additional autographs. One mem, four inserts, and five parallel. It's a 200 card base. That's the second year for the product. Uh, it's a modern look with full bleed cards, kind of a funky uh, text on it, which I really like. It looks. It's a nice touch. Uh, it's got nice handwriting. Uh, and then it's going to have the 2019 draft class. And so all these guys will be in their collegiate uniforms uh, with the autographs. But uh, you no, know, it's, it's a pretty sharp looking, uh, looking product. I like what they've done with this. Trying, trying to pull up last year's because uh, our buddy, who I may or may not see this week weekend, Crack uh, and Wax, just broke a box of last year's product and had two really, really, really nice hits. Um, see if I can get them pulled up here while, while you guys continue. Yeah, no, so um, th- that's going to be um, one of those, I would say, mid-level products. It's not bad to get into early on drafting signatures. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, as Steph's pulling up, we'll talk about what's brewing next week's releases. 2019 Top Series 2 Baseball. I'm excited. Except for the Vlad 700 short print. Um, 2018-19 Panini Noir Basketball. 2018-19 Tops. Um, just 2019 Tops MLB Sticker Collection and Album. And then the 2019 Sage Autograph Football Box. So real quick on Series 2. Last year was Episode 0, right? And I flipped out because Acuna and Torres were going to have short prints rookie cards in there at the end and they ended up being like one per case so it wasn't that bad to pull them i actually got to pack pull both of them but vlad they're doing the same thing with the vlad and series two this year uh it'd be interesting to see because last year at this time when those were opened the Torres and acuna you get for like 25 bucks 35 bucks on the open market and now i know Acuna's going for like a hundred and something and the update cards like 20 bucks and those were going for like two or three bucks so it'd be interesting what they do with uh with vlad jr yeah, it'd be. I don't know. It's just it's, it's getting so tired and old. Just yeah, all all just this leave stuff. It, and leave it. Like he's either an update or he's in series two. It, you know, and I, I just review. I know we're not really going over series two right now, but man, I just looked at the checklist and it's just like you don't need that much stuff in one product. With the you A's, don't. like that was ridiculous. I looked at the A's versus some of the other teams. I was like, it was, it was like scroll. You scrolled a couple of pages. Well, part part of the problem with them, and, and we can get into this more next week, is the the greatest, the 150th greatest season, greatest moments, greatest players. 
because they just have a lot. They had six in series one. They're going to have another five here in series two. That set is so tired and old. And then they have the, the, the on-demand version. I mean, we get into this more next week. I'm just, I'm irritated. That checklist sucks. We're, we're moving into infield chatter, the hobby talk session. All your team needs TBS sports cards. Uh, infield chatter, hobby talk. Uh, Everett Cordaire tweeted from EV Cordaire on Twitter. His master's thesis was written on Tim Raines' Hall of Fame candidacy. I hope you got an F because Tim Raines does not belong in the Hall of Fame. And he tweeted out, hello, Mr. at Tim Raines 30. You don't know me, and it's likely you won't see this tweet, but I wrote my master's thesis about you and love to get it signed if at all possible. Let me know. I just thought that was interesting to write a thesis on uh, such an average uh, NMLB player that was flucked his way into the Hall of Fame, kind of like Lee Smith. Oh, man. Tim Raines should have been in the Hall of Fame a long, long time ago. He, he was the greatest, based on percentage, he was the greatest base dealer of all time, based on a stolen base percentage. But, I mean, I mean did, did you go go back and look at his early 80s stats? Yeah, for a short mode. period of time. Look at the mid to late in the 80s through the 90s. He was terrible. Wait, well, well, see, that's the thing. is he he's like, Vince running. Coleman had an awesome stolen base rate but sucked at everything else. Yeah, but Tim Raines w- was a superior player in the late 70s, early 80s. His problem was the last he five years. The of second it, half of his career. He should have quit five years earlier, and I think he would have went into the Hall of Fame earlier. I think people looked at his longevity and go like, because he wasn't even – I mean, he was just a shell of, of a Major League Baseball player at that point. Not just himself, but just in general. You know. Moving on. Fanatics is buying Steiner Sports. Uh, they acquired the yeah. assets of a longtime memorabilia dealer, including most of its inventory. Fanatics will determine in the future whether it will continue using the Steiner name on anything. The Steiner has most – the most of the Yankees are exclusively with Steiner. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting. Uh, for autographs and mem stuff, and I mean they're signing everybody up. They have Luca now uh, on an exclusive deal. We're going to get to that a little bit more later. Um, but Fanatics, you know, there's also talk that one time they were trying to get into getting the major league license for baseball cards because they have a ton of guys on exclusives. So interesting. They're done. Uh, 2019 MLB draft happened on Monday. Their first five picks I, I thought was interesting. We're all hitters, uh, some high school kids and some college guys. And I'm glad because hitters hitters uh, are more collectible than pitchers. Don't please don't prospect pitching. You'll you'll lose you'll end up living on the streets, bumming for quarters. Uh, if you try to PC or you try to prospect pitching, it just does not work out. So with the first pick, the Baltimore Orioles took Adley Rushman, the Oregon State catcher. Uh, my Kansas City Royals at tw- uh, number two took shortstop Bobby Wood Jr. at a high school. I remember his dad was a was a Ranger and an A. Uh, pick three went to the Chicago, Chicago White Sox. They took first baseman Andrew Vaughn. And fourth pick was the Miami Marlins, and they took outfielder J.J. Blade from Vanderbilt. I think he had like 20-something jacks this year. Uh, and then pick five was Detroit Tigers. They took high school outfielder Riley Green. So, I don't know if you guys saw any of the draft, and I know well, I know Ben did, and he said, you know, they talk about how these guys are going to be the you know awesome and great, and you know that's what they're they're there to do. They're there to handhold and say everybody's going to be great, and you know, well, why would you take them if they weren't? You didn't think they were going to be good, yeah, right? But but when you're sitting there analyzing it, and, and you, you're like. Well, you know, this guy, the Colorado Rockies really have a need at second base long term, and this guy's going to fill that solution. It's like he's not feeling it next week, dude. He's feeling yeah. it like 2023. Well, By that's then, like every- how do you know that, that, you know, 
the guys they have currently in their system aren't going to be, you know, or they sign a free agent. Yeah, there was there were so many uh, there there were so many guys. There were so many shortstops were taken. They're like, oh yeah, but he projects to an outfielder or this position, and then they, they compared somebody to to a first round pick to. Um, Billy Hamilton, that's OG, so he can't get on base, but he's fast. Okay. Well, oh, it, it, good luck there. It, you just you just never know. A couple years ago, the A's traded Jeff Samarja to the White Sox, and and the names on the the transaction is like okay, whatever, right? Well, who did they get? They got Josh Fagley. You know, they they got uh, Marcus Simeon. They got um, um, Chris Bassett. You know, they got guys that are currently producing on the team right now and it's like you know samarja is long gone signing that big massive contract you know it, but it's just like you just don't know these guys i mean i made the joke about it you know a day or two ago let's find out who the a selected number 29 so we can find out who they're going to trade away by 2023 yeah they actually took logan davidson shorts off from clemson which was a good pick and, and you know he's probably valued a little oh. higher you know and they, they said basically he's jed lowry a younger version of jed lowry but who so knows? Yeah. And then the, the twins took Kilani Kavako, a third baseman at a high school. Yes, they did. I just have the top five picks. Who's your feeling that's going to be the, the guy to PC out of that? Or no, no, not you. I'm sorry. Let me reward this. Who? Which one do you think is going to be the next great chase? Like, who do you think out of these five picks? Who do you think everyone's going to run down? Assuming I, none of the high school guys actually go to college. Yeah, I don't think any of those three guys, those two, those first five guys, Green or Witt, are going to go to college. They're all going to go. They're both going to go pro if they're wise. Yeah, I, I would say I would say Witt because he's got name recognition, which would fall right in line with Guerrero and Biggio and a couple of the other guys that have come out over the last mm -hmm. couple of years. Dub says whoever Twitter tells him to. So <laughs> Wait, you know what's funny is we can't get a Panini checklist a day or two after something releases. And what's funny is, you know, we just watched the Bowman, the 2019 Bowman draft checklist, you know, happening right. Well, live. yeah, no, the, no. except for the set, Bobby Witt will be in uh, 2020 Bowman because usually they hold the second pick back to be in their first Bowman is in Bowman, Bowman, Bowman. D yeah, no, uh, I, there'll be a couple guys, I'm sure. Steph, who's your pick? Don't get me and Rich involved. Uh as far as Panini checklists, we have our own set of headaches. But um, no, uh, I'm going to agree with uh, Ben. I, I think Witt Jr. might have the longer future overall. Uh, Rutschman uh, seems to be the top pick as well uh, as far as the pundits go. But, I mean, how many number one overall draft picks have yeah. actually panned out? It's a pretty small list. So just to be a little different than you guys, like Wits on my team, so I'm going to kind of pretend he doesn't exist in this. Uh, out of these guys, I want to say J.J. Blade, uh, the guy who's going to go to the Marlins. Uh, I, the problem is he's a Marlin. So, you, What's funny is I think it was Jim Callis wrote a piece for The Athletic. I believe it was Callis. The top 10 catching prospects as of right now in the minors. And whatever the number Rushman, whatever his name is, number one overall pick is already listed as the best catching prospect in all of the minor leagues. Even over Joey Bart? Come on now. Yeah, he had Bart number two. Uh, Bart, Sean, Bart, Bart Sean Murphy at number four. And I think Murphy might be the most ready made catching prospect right now. I think he's gonna be the the next one called up out of okay, you know. 
Bean, Bean says Alex uh, uh, Manoa, Manoa, I think is how I say, the dude from West Virginia looks like Rod Beck reincarnated, plus he wears 47. Uh, that guy's got a personality, and he's just someone to watch in general. He's like 6'5", like 280, and he looks like a grown man, like a, like a, like a caveman came out, like, like Steve Bedrosian just walked out of the bullpen uh, in Rod Beck's body, and they're out there pitching again. It's awesome. Then there was a kid from um, one of the Texas schools that got drafted by Texas, played third base. He's got like a mullet and this crazy hillbilly beard. And uh, he looks like he's just out there like a little kid having fun. So uh, I'm excited to see. It's always a new class, and we won't know any of these guys for the next couple of years. Uh, here, There you go. It looks like Steve Bedrosian and Rod Beck and Brian Wilson had a baby, and it's this dude. Well, AK-47, I like it. And let, let's not forget that the, the coolest thing was probably Braden Hall, Halliday being drafted in the 32nd round by mm-hmm. the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And and number thirty two being Halliday's numbers, so kind of a, a nice tribute. Whether the kid sticks or not, who knows? But uh, yeah, some it's cool of them. I mean, we all remember the whole Mike Piazza favorite, uh, you know, Tommy Lasorda's longtime friend, you know, Piazza's dad. Let's take your kid, and yeah. the rest is history. So, so there was some fun this week. If you follow um, the sporting uh, sports card news or sports card radio. They had like a two-hour podcast, and uh, you know they mentioned us at like the two-hour and seven-minute mark, uh, and three seconds. I think is what stuff said, but uh, it was I like those guys listen to them. But they they sent out tweet fake Luka Doncic autographs as a tweet, and it said, "Dry your tears with your trim slab, boys. Your Luka Doncic, Doncic uh, Panini America rookies are autographs are fake." Um, they posted a video comparing three different signatures by Luka throughout the year. And then they compare it to a video of him signing with Fanatics live, and his signature matches those of the earliest cards, cards released, autograph cards released this year. And then Steph shared a tweet from Doc, uh, Doctor E. V- Vitas at, on in February twenty or February eleventh of this year, saying, "LOL, Luca clearly isn't always autographing his own cards, and the only reason it hasn't blown up is because people are desperate to believe he is." So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with um, – and hopefully Steph can pull this up and show just the tweet. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, so we're going to share – you know, I think we've all shared the video and stuff now, but it's worth checking out. Uh, but it's just – it's funny to me that if you do look at it, it's severely – if you watch the video, it's a couple minutes long. It's severely different uh, from his normal Luca autograph, and then there's like a Lulu and then a Lulalu. And it, the handwriting is completely different. And then it shows a fanatic video recently because he just signed the exclusive with with them. He's signing live and he's signing basketballs. And it looks like the very first autos, but it looks nothing like the other two. So obviously his autograph's not changed, but there are other cards of his. As we show some of the slides here uh, as it changes through the year. His is more of a sharp angled on a slant. These other ones are more looping. And to be to be honest, like a more feminine touch. So it's one of those things, man. Like who knows? And you know, now he has these. What are you gonna do? And there's the video of all or a picture of all the different uh, styles of his autograph. So I mean, some players, you know, obviously being a, a big Yoannis Cespedes collector, you know, he had the long Cespedes, and then he had the 
the YC-52, we were actually Y-52C, um, which is what it adapted to. So if you ever got it in person or through the mail, he would do the Cespedes. He dropped that after the first year. But with Luca, it's obvious, obviously not the same. It's not a condensed one. And it's, um, it's it's more if you look if you look at the, the the second and the third styles, they're more deliberate than the first one. And the first one is the one that he's he recently signed on ball on a ball. So I tell yeah. you that's most likely that's that's a hundred percent his auto. These other ones are more loopy. They look more like more time was taken on the autograph. Well, at least Dak Prescott was smart and got an auto pen. I mean, why not? I- you think the president of the United States signs everything? I mean, we know that, that whoever holds office doesn't. Yeah, we know most of that is a stamp. I mean, at least get a stamp and, and have somebody stamp it for you as opposed to... He's not getting paid to sign autographs. No. And no one's paying $30,000 for a, an autograph. And anyway, and so I, it's one of those things. And, and I'm telling you right now, when, once the draft hits and the new product comes out with Zion... Everybody's gonna be dumping these Lucas for whatever to, to get the new Zion autograph. So yeah, it's uh be careful when you're when you're doing that. I mean, even though Panini, you know, and they're not gonna come out and ever say anything. Because they won't. They're not gonna stand up like we talked about Cryptozoic last week, standing up and saying, Yeah, we had some bad art. We apologize, we're embarrassed. I'm, we're sorry. Please, please forgive us. Well, no, I mean, you, you can't even get Panini to issue a press release most of the can't time. Can't even release a flipping checklist. Yeah, I mean... It was not released until, I think, late yesterday. But until everybody collectively stops buying from them, that's what it's going to take. And that's not going to happen, you know? Yeah, well, I'm pretty much there. Um, they also had on Sports Card Radio probably the best, most wanted list ever uh, on their homepage with awesome... Amazing nicknames for some of these SOBs in the hobby. Uh, you have Gary. Alleged. Alleged. Alleged, sorry. Alleged. Well, I can call them SOBs, right? Oh, you can call them SOBs. You just uh, can't. Uh, their crimes are alleged. Alleged, yeah. So you have Gary, a.k.a. Scissor, Gary Moser, a.k.a. Scissor Hands, Robert Block, a.k.a. Fat Kid on the uh, Will Jamet, a.k.a. One Touch. And the reason being is because he actually bought one touches from Colin on Amazon and then returned them like a week, a day later or something. Hey, hey, Colin accused him of being broke. Yeah. He's like, you needed that $40 back. That's why you yeah. returned him. Yeah. And then he's got Britt uh, Huggins, AKA Britt Mastro. The, we're going to talk to the guy for uh, P, PWCC. We're going to talk about you here in a moment, but it's a fun list. Just go through and, uh, and read it. And it gives you some details. And then there's Boomer. Or Bumo, and I'm sad that he's from Lawrence, you know. Um, you know, uh, and then the black label guy, we're going to talk about him later, Gelfman, aka the Gelf or the midget from Miami, which is hilarious. <laughs> I was calling him Gelf the Elf, I thought that was a good one. Uh, I think you list Kevin Isaacson on here, who used to be in charge of the uh, the uh, summit. Tom, Tom Smith, Mike Smith, Georgia State Prison. <laughs> uh, he calls out um, the Beckett's CEO. Blowout. Yeah, blowout CEO. Uh, Joe Orlando. I mean, Brian Gray got called out. A lot of people in Dallas. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Card, Cardfather X. I don't even know who that is. Um, Josh Cade. So. 
Oh, he's a browser. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. Now, th th this FBI type most wanted. Oh, Mark Sapir, a.k.a. Yeah, it was absolutely hysterical when this came out a couple of days ago. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So take a look at it. Again, these Colin and Ryan, they always provide good information, but sometimes you have to, to take pull the information out of the shtick that they offer because of the way they present it, but it's it's in there. Um. Yeah, um, so the black label issues at Beckett service. So this was, uh, I think, uh, Steph, you sent this over. Kaya uh, from the Twitter blowouts forums sent over, posted something about BGS black labels and Joe Clemens, eBay ID WJC75056 and illegitimate grading. So he said, for the purpose of this thread is to expose what I believe is to be an ongoing illegitimate grading at Beckett's, Beckett grading services. You may have seen posts and other threads about how Joe Clemens, a former BGS employee, accounts for about 25% of all the BGS 10 black label sales on eBay and a significant chunk of BGS 10s as well. And it, there's a link there. It deserves its own comprehensive thread. Uh, with a thanks to Super Dan 49 and then 30, uh, 31, 208 on Com C's uh, and Peck uh, PEJC300 for the research and advice. This is what I've pieced together thus far. The results of Joe Clemens' BGS submission gradings contain at least one black label. Here's a record of recent submissions from Clemens, which was uncovered by looking up serial numbers of black labels sold through his eBay account and serial numbers of cards before and after. I'm not going to go through all of the 18 dates here, but he submitted 159 cards. 107 received black labels 67.3 percent were black labeled in the last nine months black labels mean the card is pristine it is perfect here are some of the names on here bowman's best vlad guerrero bowman's best vlad guerrero bowman draft chrome vlad glad girl tops finest Derek jeter prism mike trout um manny machado tops finest casey mize cards jordan adams um, Joey Barch, Jonathan India, Alex Baum, just tons and tons of guys that are or people are chasing down where he had black labels. This does not include the other cards he submitted at the time or getting tens. I, I didn't count how many how he did for ten for ten. It might not have had black label, but it was probably ninety percent. Uh, it, it's crazy. Uh, we'll we'll send it out. Um, you know, I've, I've never submitted cards, but this just adds to like, okay, what this guy used to work there and it, and he's selling a ton of black labels. Um, and there's, so there, we have like, you know, proof of the numbers, the serial numbers, everything matching Acuna updates. Uh, it's crazy. Now, why wouldn't you offer this guy a job? If he's that great at spotting, he, he's like the best grader in the history of, of the world. I mean, he deserves to have a job. He can spot black labels like He's nobody's business. There, so maybe that's what he did, but, I mean, come on. No, but, I mean, I mean he, he has three tops Chrome Update Walker Buehlers that are black labeled. You, you guys know how I feel on grading. I think the whole thing has been, is a scam. It's always been a scam. Uh, with all the stuff that's coming out, uh, I'm going to scroll through real quick and see if I can find uh, what Ken said. Um in the, the chat, he said, you know, I love how people are just now furious with PWCC. 
and we can expand that to the entire grading industry, not to put words in his mouth, but he continued like they haven't been shady for years now. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing has been a scam and people are living and dying by, by this as if it's the Bible to, to trading cards. Yeah. And here we go. So to add on to this, um, Brent, Brent, Brent Williams, our boy from Brent Becca, tweeted a series of tweets this week. Shot. I'm going to read through the, the tweets. I was approached by a grading company higher up a decade ago. Uh, I was interested and said I would give it a try. The company was was going to offer discount, was going to discount the orders, and I could put a minimum grade. Uh, I would accept on the grading, or it would be returned raw without a charge. But when it, but here is when I knew grading wasn't for me again, along with several other factors such as time. I was given guarantees. I'm sure this isn't a surprise to anyone, but I was told due to my volume, I could get certain grades per batches sent in. I was promised I would receive a certain amount of gem or of mint slash gem mint grades percent wise to the number of cards I sent in. And if I continued to send in on a monthly basis, that percentage would increase over time. Brent's probably one of the most honest guys I know in the hobby. Um, and and the, and I'm talking. I mean, so we're di- we're going back to 2012. So seven years that I've been back, probably hands down one of the most honest and open guys in the hobby. Um, and for him to come out and put these out, these tweets out on the first, it it doesn't surprise me. It makes them a thousand percent believable to me, because I've also heard when certain people submit that they they know. They let the guy, their guy, know when their submission's coming in, and they know where it's coming from. And uh, yeah, I just want to know your guys' thoughts on this black label thing, Brent's tweets. Oh, Brent, Brent's told me plenty of things in private conversations that I've I've not shared with anybody because it's private. But he he doesn't do this kind of stuff. He doesn't put that kind of stuff out. For him to come out and say it gives it all the validity that anybody would need to know. I, I was talking to my dad about this yesterday and I said, okay, Tim, you're a grader and, and I'm, I'm in Brent's position. And, and you came to me and said, Hey Ben, if you give me a hundred cards, I'll, I'll grade them at a discounted price because you're giving them to me in volume. And if you want them all to be a nine or better, anyone's that I don't perceive as a nine or better, I will send back to you free of charge and keep them raw. Okay. I've got no problem with that. There's nothing wrong there. They're basically saying you're getting a discount by doing it in volume and you're saying I'm only wanting a nine or nine and a half or whatever, you know, wh- whatever the agreement is. And they're going to give it their, you know, transparent, you know, objective grade and anything that falls short of, of my expectation in this case, like Brent said, comes back where that line stops and a new a new you know segment starts is when they say the more you send to me, the higher the percentage. So you're telling me I can give you a pile of crap and you're going to grade them at a higher grade because I'm I'm sending them to you in volume? The percentage doesn't go up. It's based on the merits of the card, is it not? Or, or in theory, it should be. That's what you're paying for. A six is not a seven. A seven's not an eight, so on and so forth. You don't just get an eight if this card theoretically should be a six because I sent 500 cards to, to whatever the grading company is not to throw any any specific one under the bus. And then and then you, Tim, Steph, you guys send just one card that's identical. And you guys get the lower grade because you're just not as, as basically they're saying certain customers are worth it and certain customers aren't. 
whoever does the most business with us and greases our pockets are the ones that ultimately are going to get the best grades. Here's here's my graded Jim and Tan Ozzy Smith. I pulled that off of Facebook yesterday, I believe it was, or this morning. Graded rookies authenticated. I mean, and maybe they're grading it because it's authentic that it's Ozzy Smith's rookie card. Um, but ten, 10 mint, the corners are soft. And left to right, it's what, like a 98-2? 95-5? And, and by the way, we all want to say right now that Ken Kinsley is the smartest, most handsomest man that's ever listened to a podcast. And thank you for uh, watching the Cats this weekend. And he's an amazing person. He really he really is a good guy. I'm gonna tell you he's that. okay. He's okay. I, I'll just say, Crystal seems like a very nice lady. I've not met her. But dude, dude outkicked his coverage. She seems way too <laughs> okay. nice for him. Yeah, we and, all outkicked our coverage. Just, and he'll be the first to tell you that. Oh, yeah, hands yeah. down. Hands down. Uh, no, yeah, Ken, Ken's awesome. I'm glad he could stay up this late. I know his bedtime's early. He's okay. <sighs> Medi- mediocre at best. I wouldn't say awesome. But from Ben, that's like a PSA 10. So It, it is. Right? <laughs> right now it's a trimmed and slab 10. There, there you go, buddy. <laughs> trimmed up. Um, so continuing on this awesome path, path of destruction in the hobby regarding trading cards, PWCC is in some deep, deep shiznes in this middle. Now Darren Ravel's tweeting about it. So he sends out Brent Huggins, uh, PWCC's eBay's highest grossing trading card dealer with 50 million in annual sales is on the ropes tonight after message boards have discovered that PWCC was involved in altering some cards they sold. Uh, Here is Huggins' statement in which doesn't deny the allegation we are. This is the. Uh, this is Huggins. The PC PWCC. And we've asked them to come on, and they have not responded back. I said I would have an open and honest discussion with them, um, but I know the Card Hub said he was going to drive down there. So if you can do that, and uh, you know we can TMZ this thing, that'd be awesome. Uh, this is a statement. We are obviously aware of the issues surrounding the cards submitted to us by Gary Scissorhands Moser. Uh, first, we want to apologize to all to all those who have been affected by purchasing. Purchasing of trimmed or altered cards. We are not dis- disappearing or burying our heads in the sand about this. This next, we are presently working with both PSA and law enforcement to ensure all altered cards are bought, brought to light, and this information makes its way to our customers. We understand that we are responsible for our part in this mess, and we'll do all we can to make it right. Uh, to make it right in the condition connection with Moser submitted cards, as well as other submitters who may have altered uh, cards of which we're all, we auctioned. We understand how difficult it is to be patient through the process, but we are working through this as quickly as we can at the direction of council and appropriate authorities. Finally, in response to the recent findings, we are no longer selling any of Moser's submitted cards. We are very sorry for the trouble that this ha- has occurred, and we'll begin. we will work to retain your tr- regain your trust. Now, hold on, dude. Just last week, we talked about that terrible 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 podcast or uh, webcast or whatever interview you had with that num num boring as as paint drying dude um and where he just asked and he said you were conserving cards like they would for um like museum pieces museum pieces or um comic books and now you're coming you're going uh wait no we didn't know but we're you know so hey hey ass hat what is it well, that, that press release said a whole bunch of words that, that didn't say anything. Yeah, this is word idiots. It, it, I, I, going back to Panini, I'd rather them just not say anything. 
than to come out and, and, and literally slap us on the face. It's like, come on, dude, we're smarter than that. D- don't 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 think that we're just all these naive collectors that are going to bow down and go, oh, PWCC had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And that's why when we invited them on the show a couple of days ago, we knew that they weren't going to respond. Yeah, and, and we would be nothing but polite, nothing but polite. But we are going to ask questions that people want to know. Yeah, with all due respect, we're not. We're, we're, not. we're collectors, and we want to know. The other yeah. thing too is if you listen to the Sports Card Radio podcast this week, they talk about um, how they they have text messages from a guy that was consigning cards through there, saying, and having this dude say, "Go ahead and bid it at this price. You will definitely get outbid." So shill bidding. And now selling trimmed or altered cards isn't against the law, but shield bidding is definitely against the law. So if that was the case, then that that's some really scary, really FBI knocking on your door stuff that they talked about. They're they're based in Lake Wasego, is that how you say Wasego, Oregon? And OregonLive.com even posted an article. The article didn't say much, but it did publicize an issue going on with a local company and saying, hey, this is happening in our area. Uh, and so I think that's that's a pretty big deal that they're getting involved. PSA even then released a statement regarding this recently uh, in the last day or so. And this, this is a long statement, but I want to put it out there. PSA is aware of the hobby recent hobby message act board activity and is conducting its own investigation into the matter. We take consumers' pr- uh, protection seriously as evident by the thousands of altered and counterfeit cards we reject each year. Our ongoing investigation, our ongoing investments in grading and holder technology and long track record of working with law enforcement to eliminate fraud from the hobby. PSA processes more than 2 million cards each year and will not let isolated acts from a few dishonest actors deter consumer confidence in our brand. We will act against anyone who violates the PSA terms and conditions by knowingly submitted altered cards for authentication and grading. While our actions will be conducted privately, please know that the impact will be felt by those attempting to mislead collectors for personal profit. As with any financial transaction, if you're unsatisfied with your purchase, contact the seller to immediate, 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 immediately request a refund. Um, if the seller is unknown, you may send the card to PSA for review under our financial guarantee of grade and authenticity. PSA is well-versed in combating fraud, and we have addressed these issues in a professional and direct way for nearly 30 years. After all these years, our hobby is stronger than ever. Rest assured that PSA will not let actions of a few have any lingering impact on the hobby or the brand, the PSA brand, Steve Sloan, PSA president. Now, real quick, they've, they've definitely ruined, these people have ruined the hobby because some of the cards they've trimmed and altered are some of the most sought-after cards in the hobby. So, and a lot of them have been serial numbered, maybe out of 100, maybe out of 50. Say 10, 20% of those have been altered. So then you're taking that down to even a lower number. Um, it's pretty crappy. And the fact that you don't know if card, you know, like, for example, Steph Curry, rookie card, serial numbered seven out of 100, you graded it twice. How do you not know that? We talked about this last week. Um, yeah, it's D- Dublin Snow. Hey, is PSA going to refund if I buy a trimmed uh, slab off eBay for five hundred bucks? <laughs> no, they're going to tell you sorry, bud. But no, no, they're they're going to try to bow out of this unscathed. You, you know, hoping that it, they hey, we're just the middleman. If Tim sends it to us, and then we send it back to Tim, and Tim sends it to or sells it to Steph, that's a private transaction between the two of you. Now wait, wait a minute. <laughs> 
you know, Steph's paying extra money. He's paying an inflated price for something that has been altered that, that me, the middleman was paid to catch, you know, it's absolutely hundred percent my responsibility to say, sorry, Tim, I can't grade this because it's been altered in some way, whether that be trimming or soaking or, or, you know, using a, you know, some kind of a hot conduit on it, you know, whether it be a, you know, you know, something, but just going on the record with all of the people in Dallas getting busted, I I, I do not trim cards. I've never submitted a card for grading, and uh, yeah, I'm not your uh, shady beans baseball card blog. What what the shadiest? The shadiest of all shady. What I'm saying though, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, it's funny that all it's weird that all of a majority of these guys are located and are near the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah, oh, you mean where PSA is, where Heritage Doctrine is, where Panini is, where Leaf is, where Huh. Interesting. Well that that would be no no different than something going down in Silicon Valley, you know, you know, like the, the whole I- internet crash, right? When when all these startups crashed. Oh, it was all in Silicon Valley. That's where they were based out of. Well, that's like the statistic that, you know, whatever percent, some super high, 90% of all shark attacks happen with 100 feet of water. Yeah, because that's where the fucking people are. Sorry. I'm just saying, Dallas, you know, those people from Dallas, you got to be careful. Except for for Ken. Um, No, so it's, guys, we've talked about this. We've all not, like, been fans of grading. We've never really talked bad about it, but this just brings a lot of things to light. That I think some people knew, or there were whispers of, and no one really, really brought it out. It's going to make for an interesting national. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Steph, you're going to be our feet on the ground there, bud. So I'm hoping you, uh, you can grab some info and uh, share it with us and let us know what's going on. Try my best. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that we have someone lined up for a post-national show. So Very nice. I want to be your best, Jimmy Olson. And for the record, anybody out there listening, Ken is not shady. He's a very nice boy. Of course. <laughs> Steph was joking. For anybody that didn't catch the underlying o- o- over-the-top sarcasm. Absolutely. Ken is a very, very nice boy. I-, I wouldn't have him over since we're flying out to Minnesota on Friday. I wouldn't have him at my house if I didn't trust him. He is coming over on the weekend to take care of our cats and feed them while we're gone. Can he? Cat, cats. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I need yeah. you to snag for me and send my way. Wait a minute. Ken is taking care of cats. Ken, Ken is a dog, dude. Like, Well, I think it's his stepson technically, but okay. I mean, they're both coming over. So I, I would not trust a dog guy with my cats. Just <laughs> they're simple. Walk in the house, crack, crack, place the two can- cans of cat food, close the door and walk out. It's I just, I just leave even Ben open. can do it. No, I leave the door open. I, I don't like animals. I'd be like, hey, sorry, this is God's will, dude. Uh, wow. Sports card. Again, I'm using a lot of sports card rate, but they just had some really good information this week and stuff that made me laugh. They also tweeted out a picture of their uh, site, like people that visiting and they tweeted out breaking news. The FBI is reading sports card radio. Now would be a bad time to show up on the homepage. Oh, and eBay is snooping around too. have a great day. And it was a, it was a picture of their site and it showed like where these were uh, like people were you know, viewing the site from. Yep. And Steph's pulling it up here now. Um, and it says FBI criminal 
justice information systems were like one through eight, nine. And then, you know, they're reading all the, about the Mike Smeet, the Raz Billers, Raz, Tricky Autos, Scam, the greatest hit of, of, of frauds and scams, shill bidding. So somebody was sitting down doing some research. That may or may not be tied to a government system. Well, he also has screenshots of the House of Representatives in the Senate. And is saying that, you know, now all these, you know, eBay Incorporated along with the FBI. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, like, I don't know. I, I Something's coming out of this where uh, these grading companies are going to have to do more on their end for security purposes. And, and I think that, you know, Ben brought up a point was charge more for for grading certain cards higher-end cards you know limit what you're grading don't be grading 90 tops unless it's like a no-name thomas you know don't be grading you know 91 score 2019 bowman refractor of just base cards yeah yeah at the end of the day pwcc goes down hard oh yeah anybody affiliated bidding anybody that that you know, Moser, all these dudes, they're all going to go down hard. But I think PSA and BGS ultimately come out unscathed, more or less. They're going to have better lawyers too. Yeah, and and, and I, I think that there's enough trust, whether it's it's validated or not, whether it's they should have it, uh, whether it's warranted. I, I think that Beckett's going to live off of their name. PSA is going to live off of their name and they'll live to see another day. Yeah. They probably are going to have to do some, some different things moving forward, but I don't think that, you know, I, I think it was Darren Ravel who had said that this might crash the grading market. I don't think that we're going to see it to that extreme. Government significantly call for some major reform, which is fine, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. I can care less. My, I tweeted back out this week. That's why you collect, collect your base cards. So, so collect, your, collect your your parallels and all that fun stuff. Enjoy that. I don't need. I don't have. I don't need the fake autos and the fake relics and the trimmed relics and autos and the grading. I don't need any of that crap. Give me just some good old day base cards and some colored parallels, and I'm happy. So th- this brings up another question. Uh, our friend Tanner Jones, who's been featured on the show. Um, had borrowed a topic that was discussed on Net54. So I'm not sure who brought it up there, but that's where it originated. And then Tanner, you know, borrowed it. And so now we're borrowing it. Uh, does ultimately, when all of this is, is said and done, the dust settles, it, it, low grade, mid grade vintage, raw, is that going to be the next big thing? Because I mean, like right now, everybody's jumping on the graded bandwagon. For, you know? I would say maybe for a little bit. Only because it doesn't take much to crack a slab. Oh no! I could, you could do it with a bottle, like a keychain bottle opener. Do it with some ten, ten snips. Trust me. I mean, yeah. I've done it. May not yeah. be planning on doing it on three cards to my left here. It'll be interesting to kind of see, though. It's a it, right now. I think it's a rhetorical question. I don't think that there's really a, an answer. Obviously, there's a debate to be had. Well, so then buy, buy grading cards that are graded six and sevens and eights. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've said all along, like, if I was ever to have an opportunity to invest in a 52 mantle for my collection, I would want it graded for the authentication purposes. Just graded if, if you send it to PSA, they'll grade it as authentic. Right. But see, that's the thing is, if I'm buying it, 
I want it pre-authenticated yeah. to make sure. But now the problem is I have no faith. I, I had little faith in the system yesterday and the day before that. Now, today and moving forward, what little faith I had. I mean, I'm not George Michael. I got none. Well, uh, Bean, Bean said, I, um, he goes, I always stayed away from PWCC and Probstein. If authorities go after PWCC, I think old Propy may need to change his diaper. Right. Yeah. Uh, Shill, if they go after PWCC for shill bidding, I'm sure they could find something on those guys. Oh, what I, Rick, Rick Probstein would be next. Heard. Right. No, I, I'll be more than happy to say Pro, Probstein has a very bad reputation for being shill bidding central. I, I, I am very hesitant. I've bought one or two things. In fact, I bought I bought one thing from from Probstein once, and it showed up at my house. I'm like, oh man, I overpaid for this, <laughs> and it ended up being like a four dollar card because uh, I went back. I'm like, I, I don't. I mean, if I see Probstein's name on eBay, I just gloss over it. It's like not not even worth it. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, and you know, Dub brings up wife why spend twenty dollars to grade a five dollar card exactly. So here's an argument that I saw from uh my my buddy Robbie or uh booby as it were I don't mean condition grades but authenticity grades I don't trust any of those companies anymore I could put them in a one touch for nothing and figure out a way to make my own label for them and he works in the print business so I know now a one touch with a place for a homemade label would be money so naturally I spent that to ultra point and as of now the only like on the tweet is from Ultra Pro, Ultra Pro, as it were. Ultra, yeah, you had a good thumbnail there. For all of your Ultra Pro needs, check out TV Sports Grid. Um, <clears throat> Speaking of shilling, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna end this show on a bright note tonight, as we've hit uh, over the one hour mark, and we've probably lost Rich. Uh, he said good night about twenty minutes ago, which is probably right on time. Um, our one year anniversary about the cards podcast. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a, a number of giveaways and we're going to do them live next week on the show. Yes. Uh, so it'll, it's going to be fun. What I want you guys to do is to tweet or email us a screenshot uh, that you follow us on Twitter. You subscribe to our podcast feed anywhere, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to on uh, the podcast or, and or our YouTube page. So yeah, you have an opportunity to get three entries uh, we'll probably have like 10 prizes or so. We're still working on that. Um, I got some nice things around here. One of them is going to be the hobby lineup shirt. One, I have a Tops Living Week uh, set to give away with Roberto Clemente. I've got some stuff from my work here. Yeah. Um, I know Ben had Ben was giving away, I think, 90% of his A's collection, though nobody wants it. Um, I've got a couple autographs hanging around here to give away. Um, you know, so we have some we have some fun stuff. Uh, here to, to send out. So, what about uh, the trout card behind you on right, your right shoulder? Oh no no the tra this trout card back here. No that trout card's uh, from Steph, and uh, that's in a very nice place of uh, well pride in my office. Here is this card of my son, but also card of Brian Brian Vice and his family right next to the trout card he sent to me uh, too long ago. So there'll be some good stuff to come out. We'll share that. So you have three opportunities to win, and you know on Twitter we're about the cards. Our email is about the cards pod at gmail.com. Again, about the cards pod on gmail at gmail.com. And uh, just send those three screenshots to us, and uh, they'll get you an answer to win a prize. 
and we'll do it live. So we're going to do a little. Uh, we'll do it live. Sorry. Live. <laughs> do a little. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Rando. Rando. Random. Org. So. Um, yeah. Guys, anything else before we uh, head out tonight? Any final thoughts? Yes, I did a great disservice to one of our closest friends, Mr. Joey Dumb Mentality. Apparently, last week when we were talking about his Definitely. his inclusion in Beckett, the two of you both said something nice. I was just agreeing in silence, and apparently that hurt his feelings. So, yay, yay for his story. Beckett, no, this week go out, grab a copy, grab a copy. Joey's got uh, some great insight, some great stuff. So yeah, yeah. he is a interview with a, I think, a card shop in Canada, and so I'm going to send my copy that I pick up to him to get autographed. Yeah, and and grab one of his T-shirts from him. I still need to get one myself. Well, they don't make it in extra small, extra wide. Well, that's the size that I need. That's why I haven't ordered one yet. I've put in a request, and indeed, he <laughs> just says, "Keep stop, you know, stop emailing me." So I, I just I want a schmedium. That's all. The, real quick, Jake wanted to know what the last the three worries were. So the three ways to enter: um, a screenshot that you follow us on Twitter, uh, that you subscribe to the podcast on some kind of a feed, uh, and you subscribe to our YouTube page. Straight from show notes. Boom! There's there's a little back. We'll pull the curtain back. That's what the show notes said exactly. So, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it all. I mean, uh, you know, we we've been a year and we, we thought we'd last like five episodes, and the fact is, I think we uh, do a pretty good job. I have I love doing the show. We have fun, and uh, you know, well, two of us do. Yeah, I liked how Colin said this thing that he our, the best part about our show is us trying to kill each other. So he listens though that he listens to the show. Oh well, uh, that's that's a huge bonus. I mean, it's a friendly banter. We don't we don't actually want to kill each other. We just no, and, some of, and, and some of it we play up because to be honest, the best Wilson isn't even Ben, I mean, or you know, it's his dad, Rick. No, yeah. you have that wrong. It's Heather. Well, if, well, of course. No, I was talking of the Wilson men. I'm sorry, I should have clarified that. Obviously. Yeah, no. I met. Uh, I was out and saw Rick on was it Sunday? Swat swung by and dropped off some uh, a purchase he had made. That's right. Twitter, YouTube, I, and our podcast screen, um, podcasts wherever you listen, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, any of the, uh, the podcast listening things. What's up, Robert? You should go to bed. You got to get up early, bud. And uh, thanks for loving to see my face. I know it's fancy. All right, fellas. Remember, we're live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 10 Central on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and review our show on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at About the Cards. Follow Ben at Our Trading Cards. Follow Steph at Junk Wax Twins. Follow me at CBS Sports Cards on Twitter uh, and eBay. I mean, at Big Chef 79. Please share your hobby stories, great pulls, and send your questions our way. Keep collecting. Well, guys, see you next week for our anniversary show with lots of giveaways and Series 2 talk. Hopefully, we'll have a little more exciting information. We want to bring you guys down like we did tonight, but we want to provide all that great information to you. And we'll talk to you soon, guys. See you then. Yep. See you guys.